Hola amiga, it's so good to have you here on Ignite with Jess Soto Ramirez. Yes, that is me, your business empowerment coach. I am on a mission to help you see yourself in someone else's story. So this podcast is here to illuminate the path to your potential through the stories of other women in business just like you. Hola amiga, before we get started with this episode, I want to share with you that Hispanic Heritage Month is on the 15th of September through to the 15th of October. So I've decided to allocate this time to showcase, to spotlight and to just have beautiful conversations with Latinas in business during this time. Being a Latina myself, this is something very close to my heart. So I hope that you really enjoy the conversations and are able to see a different perspective uh, from our experiences, I guess, as Latinas in Australia doing business. Enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Ignite podcast. I'm your host, Jess Soto Ramirez. And we are celebrating um, Hispanics Hispanic Heritage Month, which runs from the 15th of September to the 15th of October. Um, now, I've got this beautiful lady with me here today, Michelle Yanes Olivares. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks, Jess. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm excited to have you here. I was just thinking, introducing you, usually it's my name that's you know, rattled off in Spanish. It's really nice to introduce someone else that's their name is so spanish as well <laughs> yeah i actually legally on my passport have like five names so Ooh. it's michelle isadora uh diana Te no six michelle isadora diana teresa yanis olivares like legally because <laughs> <laughs> it's like those typical names right? <laughs> yeah. like my name is blah 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 blah, blah, blah. <laughs> which i've seen you share often and i just am in stitches because it's so relatable that many people don't understand um, and then on top of that, I went and chose to have a hyphenated surname. And so people are like, so what do you do? Like they just get confused about this whole idea of them carrying two surnames. And then my kids are like my daughter particularly. She's like, so mom, if I'm Soto Ramirez and then I get married, what surname do I have? <laughs> I have to have Soto Ramirez and then his surname? And I'm like, honey, you have whatever you want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but oh, even no. for us, right, it's confusing. It but, is. yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. thing to have as well. It is. So you've got how many middle names? Three? Yeah, three. Yep. Three middle names. I love it. <laughs> Who says you have to pick one, hey? That's it. I've got a, I've got a beautiful man to choose from. When I was little, yeah. I used to call myself um, Isadora. Oh, really? Yeah. And then eventually the whole um, Dora the Explorer came out. And Isadora is literally like is a Dora. And I was like, and then I was the token Hispanic oh. at school. And I was like, this is not going to end well. So I quickly reverted back to Michelle. So what <laughs> age were you at that time? Like to revert back. That's almost like an identity shift, Michelle. <laughs> it was, it was. I felt so like aligned with Dora. I'm like, oh, she's my people. Uh, <laughs> and then eventually I was like, no, like I gotta, I gotta step away from this. I think I might have been. Like at the either the very end of primary school, the beginning of high school, some some point around then. Wow! Like yeah. my daughter's at that stage, so I just think about if my daughter turns around, her name's Alia, but if she turns around and said, "Oh no, I'm now I'm you know picking up my middle name," that's so bizarre. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Do people struggle to understand that. 
Uh, yeah, well, I think it's the reason why I did it was because I never liked Michelle. Okay. Um, no, it's not. It's probably the wrong way of putting it. I, I, I always loved the name Michelle, and my, my parents gave it to me for a reason. But I felt that my name wasn't reflective of like my ethnicity, so to speak. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I was like, why? It's a, such an Aussie name, Michelle. Um, yeah. And people would always look at me when I was little, and like, you look, you know, like a Maria or something, or Carolina. You don't, yeah. you know, look like a Michelle. So that's when I like, oh, I'll change it to Isadora. <laughs> I love I love that you stepped in and when I'm making decisions for myself, yeah. I'm not carrying Michelle. Yeah. I, I actually really admire that. And you know why? Because I relate a lot with your story because my name's Jessica and I'm like, it's so just basic, right? Yeah. I'm not insulting any other Jessicas out there. Please don't take it that way. But for me, it felt like I wanted to carry a name that was more Latina, right? And so my middle name is Alejandra. So I'm like, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I should have just picked that, you know, <laughs> because of what you did. But I definitely had that vibe of like Jessica is just not fully represented, representing who I am. And that's why I loved my surname because it's Ramirez. And so I felt like that really gave me that Latin touch, you know. Yeah, you can spot that name from all the way that it's Latino, like Ramirez. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, and then when I got married, my husband's surname is Soto. And I'm like, oh, it's just a bit boring, <laughs> you know. So I'm like, I'm not dropping Ramirez, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's more, many more reasons to it than that. But um, that was definitely a big part because I felt like Ramirez was, such, Ramirez was such a big part of my culture that I could hold on to and carry with me, you know. That's a name I like. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Um, Michelle, I'm going to kick off with the first question. I know we've just already been chatting for a while, but it's the question I like to ask everyone. Mm -hmm. Tell me about yourself without telling me your titles. So a little bit about myself. I am, who am I? I am, I would say, very much an introvert. Um, and this may come a, as a surprise uh, for some people, mm. but I've always has been quite a big introvert. Um, but I call myself, I don't even know if this is a word, like an omnivert or a digivert. Yeah. Sort of both? Well, more so that when I'm in, on social media or online, yeah. I to like, you yeah. know, I'm able to, I don't know what it is, but I, I, I come to life. Yeah. Person, I'm a lot more uh, introverted and it takes me a while to really uh, have conversations. I think maybe the last years I've since like maybe grown and matured and evolved. I've done a lot of personal work, um, mm. but my, the greater part of my life, I'm, you know, introvert. Um, I, I love being online. I do appreciate some of the challenges that come with being online, but I, I'm a person who loves being online i am a self-proclaimed workaholic um not always the best thing to admit but it's the truth and i'm deeply uh, committed to elevating the latin community in australia and uh migrant women uh, daughters of immigrants or children of immigrants um and general just young people i think that they're the future and that's when i where i want to invest my time Mm, yeah. yeah, I love that. I think they definitely are the future. Um, I used to be a youth worker, so I can definitely oh, understand nice. what yeah. you're saying. And it's that, you know, it's the idea of what's to come <clears throat> and who we're building up now to be the people that we want to lead us later. 
And I think that there's many things in life that perhaps we weren't taught that we've learnt as adults that we now hope that the younger generations can learn earlier in life mm. and carry with them. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Um, tell me about you being an introvert because I think, um, how can I put it? I think as Latinas there's this real vibe, right, that, you know, the, all this stereotype, let's call it for what it is, that Latinas are all outgoing and we're all like extroverted and we all love to party and we all love to dance and we're super social and all of that stuff right and I'm not saying that you don't have any of that but I totally like I hear what you're saying because there are times for me where I'm on social media and I connect and all of that and when I'm in my element I'm in my element right and I'm not hiding away but there are times where I do not want to talk to a soul I just need to recharge on my own. I can leave a really social gathering and just look at my husband and go, oh, I feel exhausted. Like I just mm. need silence because I need to go back. And it's only something that I've learned as I've gotten older that it's because I find my energy within myself, not necessarily from other people. And I think some people, maybe in our culture or because it's such a stereotype, are surprised by that. What's been your experience with it? Yeah, I, I I very much agree with what you said around like Latinas being sort of like social with the dancing, with um, also some of the some of the sort of stigma that comes with it as well as being overly confident. Mm. Um, and I think my introvert came from it's probably something that's it's a visceral feeling. It's sort of like who I am first and foremost. Um, and one could argue that introverts that we're all born introverts and then we all break out of it um in some way shape form or another an event happens that changes us but um i'm definitely my schooling experience is where sort of i noticed it most where i would i just wouldn't say it would it would, it would scare me to socialize with people mm. and and i think it's because i felt othered like i was always part of the immigrant group you know, my friends were of all immigrant backgrounds. It was like that throughout high school, except maybe the last few years. And that probably was the, like maybe one of the drivers as to why I was introverted because I felt othered, I felt different. Mm. Um, I went to a school that was largely Anglo-Caucasian. And so mm. um, I didn't feel like I could be my best self and that would be appreciated because I had unfortunately quite a few um, racial remarks made about me uh, growing really? up yeah and so that kind of like if there was any uh extroverted in me that i went reclused back you know, mm. kind of, you know reclused is a word but your safe zone my safe zone yeah that's it i went into my safe space so um and then that changed like last few years of high school university um certainly after university like you kind of grow and you mature and you realize who you are and i really became um proud of what i look like and who i represent um mm. But even before that, like, I just, I'm not a social person. Very much like you, I love being by myself. I love it. And that's probably why I love social media because I am at least physically alone, mm. um, but I'm connected to other people, just not in a physical. And I think it's also because of my energy, the way that I I get energy from myself. Yeah. Um, and, and other people, unfortunately, it's not really drain my energy, but... I think that's the truth, right? It's they just, do, but they like, do. They can yeah. definitely drain your energy. 
Exactly. And I've got friends who are also Latinas who they they thrive off being with people and they get yeah. energy from them and that's how they operate. But it's just it's just not me. Yeah. 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 My husband is like totally extrovert, you know. And so for him, hearing me make certain comments of like, oh, I just feel drained or I just tired. He, for him, it, he just doesn't get it, right? He respects it and he, he knows that that's how I am. But um, it's not his go-to. And I, I see it much like in my daughter, she's very much like him, where she's like, she just loves being social. And growing up, when she, well, as she was growing up, she forced me to be more social because she would talk to anyone and everyone. And I was always like, oh, here we go. <laughs> now I have to talk to people, you know. Um, but even stepping into his family, his family are all very much open and loud and talk over each other and you know I would just sit there and just kind of I'm, I'm more of an observer I'll just watch what's going on I like to take things in um I can do that and I can yell over it but it has been a different environment so when I first mm. started going there it was like I was the outcast because I wasn't yelling over everybody else um and yeah it, it's just a different thing and I think it's important for us to bring awareness to the fact that yes there's latinas and latinos that are all out there and everything but there's also some of us that like to just sit back and chill a little bit and i think there's lots of us like that but maybe it's not as understood within our culture i agree very much agree with that 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. yeah so how do you go about like tell me a little bit about what you do uh, so I, 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 I live two lives. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I love so the honesty around that. <laughs> by day, uh, by day, I am a, I am a community manager, builder, analyst, strategist. Um, so I just, you know, uh, work for an agency. And what we do is just, um, you know, provide services for a couple of different clients. Um, and yeah, I just do that. So I've always been in community land. Mm. Um, and then by night, let's say, I am Amiga Mia, uh, which is a, a digital brand and also sort of like um, an extension of who I am really. And it's just to create content and events and um, a couple of other things for the Latin community in Australia. So, and I balance the two sort of interchangeably. <laughs> What's your goal with that community, with the Latin community in Australia? a good question that's a very good question my goal is <clears throat> so because we're less than half percent of the total population we're, we're small but we're a mighty community mm. um and i noticed that uh from eight years ago when i started amiga me and i noticed like and I, I very much speak from a social media perspective might i add because i know that in other areas outside of social media it's always been thriving yeah. um that there wasn't much happening so i thought to start creating a bit of a digital brand so people could identify and resonate with them with a the brand um and it started very simple with like memes and stuff i guess it's evolved over the eight years um so initially starting with content memes then moving into you know creating events community gatherings um interviewing people sharing stories creating blogs and then yeah i'm now sort of starting to really think about like services that I can or people I can partner with different services 
Um, but I guess future state, it's continuing to, to grow that and then maybe have representation of the Latin community at a global stage. Mm. I've started to have a few conversations with other business, Latin, Latina-led businesses in the States, in the UK, in Europe, um, in Chile, in Colombia, and they are looking at this Amiga Mia brand and they have uh, a vested interest in it. In a, so that's kind of the next step. To get there, love it's going that. to be that's such a big goal. I love it. Yeah, and going back to your first question, actually, who am I? I'm very, uh, I'm a big picture thinker. Yeah, yeah, visionary. I would yeah. say. Yeah, you yeah. can see way down the track. Like you can imagine that. Because for many people, that's enough to for them to buckle. You know, and yeah. go, oh, I can't. It's too big, or to talk themselves out of it. The fact, though, that you've been able to see that massive ass vision and go, oh, yeah, I'll start here and then I'll move here and I'll move there. Like, that says a lot about you. Uh, thank you, yeah. And, you know, I've had, I've definitely had moments where I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I test it out and it fails and it fails miserably. Um, but I, that's what I love. I love test and learn. Yeah. I love challenging myself, challenging what I can do. And one of the things I love about our community, because we're so small and strong and mighty, like even yourself, like, we have some really good people um, who see the same, have the same values, see the same mission, yeah. um, and then we can just join forces and we can all just elevate each other. So I think that's a big learning is like, you know, we can do this collectively and we can all reap the benefits. Yeah, 100%. It really is, um, you know, one voice is one voice, but many voices is just a resounding voice, isn't it? Like it's just so much more mighty to be able to do that together and i think when you can get a bunch of like-minded people like you become fucking unstoppable like it just yeah. becomes something else because <clears throat> you have the ability to support each other back each other bring them up when you know when one's down the other one brings them up and vice versa and just holding on to that you know that big vision that why that why you're going to do what you're going to do i think is yeah. really really powerful um so yeah that's an awesome space that you're going and i love this huge ass vision that you have oh thank you yeah no, you know um, you were saying before about how you're like you're testing and you're failing i just want to touch on that yeah i think the testing is never a fail like it's all it's never a fail because it's just more like a process of elimination right of like okay i tried that didn't work i'll move on to the next maybe it was the timing maybe it was a strategy maybe it was whatever like there could be so many factors that come into that but the fact that you're giving it a go i think is really um commendable because you know many people will give up at the thought of the failure before yeah. even trying to think you yeah. You know? um, yeah so yeah like keep doing that because that's awesome yeah and no, i think yeah it's, it's actually a really good reframe Damn, I need you as my coach. <laughs> um, we can talk about that later. <laughs> but you know what fail is? Um, someone taught me that it's an acronym for first attempt in learning. I love that. I need to get it as a plaque on my in my office. Isn't it amazing? Like I'm like, yeah. oh, that makes so much sense. And so whoever I can share it with, I share it now because we have such a negative view on failure. There's yeah. such a negative view on trying things that I think we need to shift and reframe that and go, no, actually, I'm trying this out. I'm giving it a go. Yeah. 
Yeah. And to be detached from the expectation of the outcome, I think, because we hold on to it so tightly that we forget everything you learn along the way in that that road trip of that task that you're going down, you know, to be able to learn so much from it. It just, um, that's what helps you to grow. Yeah. No, I I love the way you put that. Yeah. So it's like test and learn. Yeah. What was the, what did I say? Yeah. Test and learn, but you're replacing the, the failure with the, it's just learnings. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, it's, you know, it's the silver lining. Um, as you were talking, Michelle, I was thinking, you're talking about how as a kid you felt really outcasted and, you know, very much alone. Mm-hmm. How do you go from feeling like that to yeah. then leading the Latino community? Like, <laughs> how do we go from this to that? Like that's like two extremes. What yeah. needs to happen or what happened inside of you that allowed you to get to that space? And I sort of mentioned this to you before we went live, like really credit to you. You asked some pretty damn good questions. Um, So I would say that uh, I look at adversity. I changed my view on adversity. So I I look at like um, all the different, I guess, moments that made me really hurt and made me feel insecure as my superpower Mm. um and that didn't come by myself i paid for mentorship i did self-development courses i moved past that barrier of saying uh you know because i I don't know why but i had a lot of like people saying like self-development and personal development and mentorship and courses and stuff it's all a big waste of money you don't need it and i I, i'm guilty of that because i thought about that for a long time and also I invested all my money in like nightclubs and going out and looking my best and, yeah. you know, as every other sort of the like young stuff. The, the fun superficial stuff. outside stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm just like anyone else. I had have, I have my, my years of just like partying and stuff. Um, yeah. But it reached a point where I said, no, I really need to invest in myself. So I invested in um, a mentor mm-hmm. and truth be told that was – I cringed when she told me her price. I think it was like $5,000 for three months or something like that. Uh, this was years ago. Mm-hmm. And then I, even I was so sceptical going into it and then she was the one that she just, it's what the power of the, a different perspective, a neutral third-party perspective who's trained, who can see things that you can't see, who isn't your friend, who isn't your husband, who isn't your partner, who isn't whoever, mm-hmm. that changed the game for me completely. Like my, she made me realize things that I didn't realize. She gave me the potential that I, like she helped me with my potential. I would say that was the biggest turning point for me was when I did that. Wow. I think you're so right in what you're saying, hey, like of bringing someone in that is not your husband, is not your friend, is not your mom, is not your, like no one attached to you. They're so objective. That's the word. Yeah. Objective. Their, their core purpose in that moment, in those sessions with you, is to see you grow, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's their mission. That's their aim. And to be able to help someone do that and for them to see something different in their lives, for that therapist, it's like, yes, I've done my job here. <clears throat> it's also a lot of growth and a lot of learning for yourself to go mm. through that because... 
I mean, I did therapy for about 18 months and I'm sure I could keep doing therapy, right? But it's definitely one of those things that, like you said, the the perspectives that get brought in, you know, the questions get thrown your way and you're like, oh, shit, I had never thought about it like that. Or I never, you know, like I remember one question that always pops out to me from my therapist. She was like, so how's that work? How's that worked out for you? And I was like, yeah, good. <laughs> because I was very resistant to the change, right? And then as you actually allow yourself to mull over that question, you're like, oh, fuck, it's not working. I'm here for a reason, right? But I just want to keep pretending it's working. Um, and I think those kind of questions and those reframes have the biggest potential to change your life and to change your life, to change the way you see things, to change the way you do mm -hmm. things, to change that vision that you have and the trajectory of that path yeah yeah and that's exactly what happened and she was able to because she didn't she, she didn't necessarily tell me what to do mm. she kind of just helped me identify my areas that i was holding either trauma in or um like she kept challenging my beliefs mm. so one of my biggest beliefs would be that i always felt fear speaking spanish with native speaker students right? Like with my family, with my family in Chile, with my family all over Latin America, I had no issues yeah. because they're family. Yeah. Um, and even with like first, second generation, I don't know the right way to term it, but first, second gens here in Australia, I had no issues. But for students who just arrived, yeah, I had a deep fear. And she was the one that was like, why? Like they have a deep fear of speaking English. Mm. You guys have a mutual benefit here. Mm. And it was just something so simple like that that mm. I just thought, oh, you know what, you're right. And it, it didn't happen overnight. Like there were still moments where, you know, I would just revert back to my original thoughts. And then I was able then to harness what she had taught me. And then I, I think a big part of it as well was like you have to also apply it on a daily basis. Mm. Unfortunately, when I was little, I already had to some degree that sort of thinking embedded in me because my mom and my grandma, my abuela, they were, and my mom still is, phenomenal women, um, leaders in their own rights, always challenged the status quo. And that's probably the step before that mentor. The mentor just really elevated it to the next level. Yeah. They always taught me that um, as a woman, being a woman is a superpower and you should use it to your best advantage to get ahead in life it, it, with good intention. Like I just mm. want to make sure with good intention is that mm. next to that. Um, and, and yeah, in, in particular my abuela, because my abuela, she never got married. Um, she didn't believe in, in marriage. She loved it and she loved and celebrated it when it happened in family and friends. But for her, her own self, she didn't see the value in it. She was a non-for-profit leader for many organisations, the first principal for a female principal in her region in Chile, Santiago. Wow. That is huge. Yeah, and she was the one that taught my mother and I and my young sister. Um, like being a woman is so beautiful because you're gonna do you can you have the opportunity to be the first of many. Mm. You know, she said, Michelle, you're in an era now where you're gonna be the first to do something if you truly believe in yourself. Um, I love and that. then my mentor, then like I would tell this to my mentor. And then she would be like, cool, you've got a great foundation. Mm. Let's build on it and let's just go all out, you know. And she helped me with that reframe when I was a, like an, a young adult as opposed to as a child. 
Yeah. It's such a reframe, isn't it? Because we can often get stuck as that inner child, as that young child in that moment of time and what we lived through, that the trauma that we lived through, the experiences we had, that we can then carry that into our 20s, our 30s, and we're still making choices as yeah. though we were that five-year-old, seven-year-old, ten-year-old little girl and not seeing how much we've grown from that, you know, like, and then to be able to bring in a mentor that can see that and just build on that, like, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Like the, the foundations, like she said, the foundations were there and you were already drawn to those foundations, like you felt them deeply. To, yeah. then, to then just have that shift, that reframe, that push to go, okay, now I need to do the hardship because, like you said, it doesn't just, it, you know, you have to keep practising it every day, right? And I think that's where a lot of people slip up because they go, well, I've already been trying and it's not working, but this is daily shit. Like I think we're going to work <laughs> on ourselves until we freaking die. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but knowing that you can keep taking those steps, um and shift that like yeah that's that's so powerful yeah so powerful. yeah and I had to be very selective as well as to who I chose because there's a million out there and, yeah. and it's not to say that mentorship is right like some people might do something else yeah. that's relevant to them um but that that took a while just to get that right and the only last thing I'll add is I learned to tap into my intuitive side mm. um, and that wasn't anything that anyone taught me per se, although my, my abuela always alluded to that you as a woman have intuitive capabilities and it's not anything mystical and unique. It's as, as individuals, we all have this. It's whether you choose to use it or not. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, and she's like, oh, some people call it a gut feel, some people call it being intuitive, some people call it a higher power, some people call it spirituality. For me, I've always seen it as just being intuitive. Yeah. Um, and I I feel that feeling a lot now. Like I trust it beyond belief. Mm. With big life decisions, I trust it, but I really just I simmer on it for the longest time. And I, that, that's probably one of the sides that I I, I don't like because I feel like I could be in a much better position if I just trusted myself more. But I would say 95% of the time I trust my intu intuition and I go for it and I take big risks. And that's another thing. Sorry, going back to your first question as well, who am I as an individual? I'm a I big love that you just keep finding things um, to add on to it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm a big risk taker. That's the other thing. I have no fear in taking risks. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, but then, okay, you say you're a risk taker, but you're saying as well with your intuition, what you're feeling is that you're taking a lot of time. For the big, big, big decisions. For like the big, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, for example, one that I've always thought about was just to pick up my stuff, leave and go overseas and, and like, one-way ticket. Mm. I've done that a ton of times. Like, I just quit my job um, when I was 18 or 19 and moved to Argentina for a few months. Um, sorry, not my job. I left university. Um, that, you know, decision being done, would I do it differently at the time? Yes, but, you know, I've grown from it. Yeah. I just left Sydney, quit my job, moved to Melbourne, um, quit my job once and just went to Sweden and see my grandma, which I'm grateful for because then she passed away Oh wow! Um, a year later. And... So these sort of things, like, I have no issues doing. Like, I follow yeah. my intuition, I just do it. 
the big ones is like big life life like the big 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 ones yeah um, which i have one that i'm sort of simmering on at the moment those are the ones where i still i've got to be like a like pretty damn sure before i do it and yeah. i think that's only natural babe like i think that's we've got gut and we've got intuition right which is really powerful and really mm. fucking strong but then there's also that okay let me look at everything else as well you know and and just knowing that okay if i'm doing this it, if it's big 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 life decisions you want to know you're doing the right thing right so um i think it's just a very human response to sometimes take a bit more time yeah making those decisions um rather than just jumping into them and then go maybe i should have thought about that for a bit longer or i should have tried that um yeah yeah tell me about your abuela you've mentioned her a couple of times she seems like an incredible woman yeah just from the, you know just from what i've heard now she's she's one of the reasons that i am who i am today she's probably the the behind the scenes backbone of Amiga Mia. Um, yeah, if I, I'm pretty sure she, she is the, the main reason. Um, who is she? She's a woman, an incredible woman who was very charitable. She loved um, supporting women and giving back. She was uh, a woman, I would say, who was, um, you know, ahead of her time. Born in the 1920s in Santiago, Chile. She lived in the campo in the, in the countryside. Um, she was one of eight. Uh, she had parents were, um, father was a doctor, um, comes from an, an educated family. Uh, and then she received herself um, in, in education to be principal and a teacher. Um, and so she always thought she, she was <laughs> growing up with her wasn't always pleasant because she was very strict like um, she wouldn't, and she did this a couple of, look, I don't agree with everything that she did because there's a couple of different um, generational things that I changed, which was, you know, um, you know, la mujer tiene que ser tierna y linda y bonita y calladita, you know, so beautiful, sweet, kind and quiet. Mm. Those sort of things she would say in, this is how you have to act in public mm. but then behind the scenes you work hard and you do what you need to do and you challenge the status quo and for me i don't necessarily agree with that mm. too much anymore um i think that, unfortunately with like as latinas i think females in general but i think latinas we that was drilled into us and yes. i think it only just adds to the issues that we have within our culture, you know, that women just need to be submissive and quiet and really lovely and we're there to be seen and not heard, you know. Like, seen and not heard. And that's that conflict that it's like, no, that doesn't sit right. Yeah. I remember I would be growing up and she would ask my brother. So I've got two older brothers who are about 10 to 15 years older than my sister and I, um, and she would ask her, their girlfriends to vacuum clean the house. <laughs> uh, sorry to vacuum clean their rooms because for the pure fact that my brothers were men uh, yeah and she was a woman uh. and so there was a bit of I don't know like I don't know if hypocrisy is the right word but she'd be like you need to be a woman you need to be educated you need to challenge the status quo you need to fight for your rights because that's the other thing she was a big activist as well 
Um, but equally, she would have these other thing, cultural expectations. Mm -hmm. And I felt I, that was just so bizarre for me. And I eventually I reached a point and I can only assume that she was also battling herself within this construct. Yeah, yeah. So I think that had she been in a different environment, maybe that she would have been fully uh, uh, someone who challenged the status quo, you know, to the nth degree, but because she was in herself. Yeah, but because she was in like the 1920s, 30s, 40s in Chile, which was even today Machista, let alone back then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think she did the best that she could with the environment that she was in. Yeah, and that's I, as you're talking, it was like, you know, it's always good to have that other perspective of like what was going on for her, you know, and yeah. she was already challenging so much. But um, I can imagine there's certain things that we're raised with or that we are ingrained in us that we almost never questioned them. You know, it's like carrying those beliefs that we never really questioned and maybe they were one of those that she was like, oh, I can question all of this, but this is still something that, like, I get tugged back at being, you know, because you are, like, especially living in the country, in Chile, you know, in a, in a like you said, like just in that machista world because that's what it is for especially back in those days um you can totally see why she still held on to that you know yeah and and my mum as well my mum you know was a bit more i would say progressive um and and still lived the greater majority of her life in chile came here when she was like mid to late 30s um and you know so she's kind of carried a bit of that but Fortunately, my mum would be like, once my willow would give me some type of advice that I didn't necessarily understand or agree with, uh, she, my mum would be the one to be like, don't forget she's a woman of her time yeah. in the sense that she's she herself is battling between these two ideals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she, so my mum would help. Uh, my mum was always good and is still good at really articulating things to me that maybe if left unsaid, I would have just assumed and mm -hmm. put my own... And, and you don't know what you do as a kid. You know, you might have good assumptions, bad assumptions. Yeah. Uh, but my mum would always help, you know, colour in the pieces to give me mm. a bit more colour. Yeah, because we we assign we so, assign yeah. a belief that to the nice. experiences that we have, you know. Yeah. And so when we assign that belief, we then carry it around as though it is our belief. When there could be, it doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean it's truth. It just means that it's um, what we've made it mean for us. Exactly. That's right. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I've heard you talk about how she used to do affirmations with you. Yeah. So when I was little, my abuela used to, um, yeah, I think actually I, I've created a couple of videos on TikTok and one on Instagram about it. And it, when I was little, my abuela used to force me. So yeah. She'd grab my hand and she'd put me in front of the mirror. Yeah. And she'd write, okay you have to say these affirmations and you're not allowed to leave. So I was in the bathroom. You're not allowed to leave the bathroom until you say them three times. <laughs> and then she would say, I'm going to um, put like soap in your mouth if you don't do it. That was one of the, that was one of the things I used to hate, you know, like I don't know where that custom came from. Yeah. Uh, but, and so then, so then, uh, you know, it was like, I am smart. I am beautiful. I am strong. Wow. And the, the three things. And and then I would say it, and then I would look at her, and then she'd be like, again. And then I'm smart, I'm beautiful, I'm strong. I'd look at her, and she'd be like, again. Yeah. 
do you think those affirmations supported you throughout life or do you feel like they were just more of a chore i was definitely a chore until i was maybe about 12 mm. and then then i understood yeah it's I like the penny drops right yeah i understood what and i don't think i understood like full on i think subconsciously it started to feed into me mm. and that's kind of what made me through high school what carried me so even though i through high school i felt othered and that's not to say i didn't have a bad experience i mean i mean good experience i had a great experience i had i made the best of it with what i had and i had some great friends yeah. um but it was more that that kind of held me and kept me going you know when i would have those moments i would just somehow that would be in the back of my mind and i would still be able to you know see the value in myself but not necessarily you know from the outside and express it really well and sit confidently i wasn't at that stage mm. but at least mentally and maybe emotionally i was good yeah it was yeah. like the work started to happen there the like, work yeah that's exactly right the work yeah. started to happen yeah yeah wow um like you've spoken a lot about you know some of this stuff that your grandma carried and i guess some of the stuff that you carried were you born here or were you born in chile I was born here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you feel like in general? Like, I guess you do a lot of work with Latinas. Um, do you feel like there are things that as Latinas we carry as maybe cultural baggage or we carry that get in our way to really kind of create a different life for us? That's a good question. Um, so a couple of things I've noticed in when I speak to people through Amiga Mia, like either the DMs or the events that we hold or just community activities, uh, some of them are the, and I don't know if this is so much of a barrier, but actually I did have a conversation at a community event yesterday about it. So what I've noticed is with the students who just arrived, um, they have this feeling that they can come into Australia and they're known and celebrated for being all about la fiesta, partying, dancing, having a good time, um, looking great, feeling good, like that everyone gets that great impression. And so we can slot into that or this that sort of migrants can slot into that very easily. Mm. Where perhaps it's not as common for them to slot in so easily is more so maybe in the corporate world, um, getting jobs in the corporate world. Uh, you know, getting jobs outside of the roles that are, um, you know, sort of entry-level roles, irrespective mm -hmm. if they've got all the qualifications that they they have, like that the they need. So that's I think that's a little bit challenging. And even myself being in the corporate space for a couple of years, I noticed that rarely did you see, and I think it's definitely better now these last few years, but rarely do you see a Latina um, in a senior role um, or in a C-suite role. And I know it's beautiful because you can see it in the US now more and more. But in Australia, I think that's something that is a big barrier. Mm. And we're in a good position now to to really put more Latinas in the forefront. And some, a lot of founders and directors are doing great jobs of that, like Latin Stories Australia, Alejandra from Gals, um, Lasos Latinos, they're doing amazing. Uh, Espacio Latinx, Lasa. But, yeah, so I'd say that will be one of the things. Um, maybe the other one would be uh i always have um conversations with latinas about them being very expressive 
And I don't know if that's unique to Latinas or to Latinas as well, but you're, we're quite emotive, expressive, the way we talk, the way we feel, you know, um, and that often can be perceived in the wrong way, yeah. especially for someone who doesn't understand that that's a cultural norm. If you go to mm -hmm. Latin America, people are by nature, um, you know, expressive, emotive, you know, when you hug someone or when you, you put their hand on their shoulder, it's not a sexual innuendo, it's a friendly gesture. Mm. And when you're in Australia, that's just, you know, it's called different cultural norms and can, it can be received wrong. Mm -hmm. And thus it's a, two things happen in my experience when I've had conversations is one, people then go into a weird uh, situation where they have to sort of justify their actions to someone who doesn't understand it. Uh, and that can get, as we know, a bit, messy and oh the second one is is that people then go into education it's like, it's like no this is what we do in south america this is the way of going about it but that doesn't necessarily mean that the other person will receive it well you know they'll be like oh okay great uh maybe just don't do it again or something like mm. that so mm. and i think on the other side of that so there's the way people receive it and how they respond to it but then i think it's also about we as the expressive one or as the Latinas that are expressive, that are touchy, that are, you know, use our hands and all of that, that I think in a culture living in Australia where it's quite the opposite, right? Like the emotions are not shown in the same way. We show yeah. them conversations are had differently. We can yell and not be fighting, you know, like at different tones and everything. And I think that, and I don't know if you experienced it yourself, but I feel like for me as a Latina growing up here, there was a part of that that I felt like I had to restrict because mm. it was too much for other people, you know. And um, and then I think it's then the meaning that we associate to it. So does it mean like, oh, I'm too much? Does it mean that, oh, I can't do this anymore? Does it mean, oh, no, because I'm just, you know, people aren't like that and people aren't going to like me because I'm too much of this or too much of that? And I think that's the other side of it and coming at it from the female empowerment angle, when we are then trying to step out and use our voices and lead in any particular way or trying to bring a, a topic to the forefront or trying to express our emotions or express our feelings whether they be hurt emotional feelings or be happy vibrant feelings there is a level i think of sometimes we try to suppress some of that so that we feel like we can fit in like nail on the head nail on the head i've had that same experience because growing up culturally right with my family with family friends going to family barbecues and all the rest of it you're sort of like in that world and you see that my, you know, my role models, my the, my, my aunties, my tios, my tias, my mis papas, they're all behaving like that. So as someone who's young and impressionable, you go, okay, that's that's normal, that's acceptable behaviour. Mm. Then you go out into the society, school, shopping, work, whatever it may be, and then it's not normal behaviour. And that's where we have this cultural shock or challenge that we're confronted with and that's exactly right like i had that same experience even in the workplace like yeah you know fortunately now like i've, I've i understand it and it's one of the things that i think um a lot of students and migrants when they come through they they're confronted with mm. uh but yeah but then obviously like for my people like myself who like first gen australian you know we we 
after a while we get to understand both worlds and we can we can live in both worlds comfortably mm. yeah it's like we start to adapt but yeah. there's still that whole idea of like you go for me i go to colombia they're like oh you're an aussie i'm here yes. in <laughs> like, oh, you're colombian you were born over there and it's like you know, i'm a bit of both to be honest i'm a i'm a mix of both i'm a blend of both and um being okay with accepting that and not feeling that whole judgment of like oh no you're an aussie oh no you're colombian 100 and i think you know like i see for example going back to my daughter she's at you know she's very expressive and everything and sometimes there are conversations that i have to have with her where i'm like mamita some of your friends aren't like that and that's okay right but it doesn't mean you need to be like them you express yourself in this way this is part of your culture this is part of your latina energy express it baby let it be out there let it let it shine you don't have to try to suppress that to fit in with other people and she's quite comfortable in doing that but i guess for me as a mother i see it I, I reflect on how i was but then i also see it play out in front of me in a different way in a different era you know in her um, and i think it's important that we keep encouraging that sense of self-expression regardless of whether you're a bit more reserved or you're a bit more outgoing like i think that doesn't matter it's more about that process of being okay with expressing yourself that is a beautiful point it, it honestly it's that is beautiful because i think that that next generation will and also because now we're so multicultural in Australia and people are also starting to learn what a Latino, Latina, Latina is like, um, that it's going to become a lot more, not not as much of a challenge hmm. and it's going to be sort of like known behaviours. Uh, and that's not to say like all Latinos are expressive. A lot of us aren't. Like, aren't. Yeah. But yeah, I think that next generation are going to show up authentically like that, and it's going to—they're going to—it's going to be—and that, that's what I'm doing now as well, like using it as my superpower, absolutely. as and when I need to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And being able to, you know, anchor in on that and use, using that as your strength, like that's powerful for you now, but powerful for the people that are watching you, because you have a lot of people watching you, right? Watching how you do business, watching how you do life, watching how you lead this community. Um, and that's something that I imagine puts a lot of pressure on as well. <laughs> it does. Sometimes. Sometimes I'm just like, yeah. And, and I'm very, I'm also very, very conscious of the way that I, and not conscious to say that I limit myself or I restrict myself or I don't let myself be authentically myself, but I always try and operate with the best intentions in the best way possible and you know i really uphold my values mm. um and and that and, and that that can be tough sometimes because i do i'm so i'm so transparent with who i am on social media and so when people are, are open and transparent on social media you're you're effectively giving everyone the ability to judge you to put you on blast to really hone in on every detail of what you do what you say how you do it what events you attend who are you engaging with who are you interviewing why are you doing this type of stuff and i deal with trolls like any other person on social media would mm. um i have people say horrible things to me sometimes really? and i just yeah it happens God. it happens and so but i think that's when it like i've done a lot of work on myself to i'm very 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 clear on who i am 
Mm. I don't need anyone to tell me who I am. I don't need anyone, not anyone. I tell myself who I am, what my values are, what I stand for. And anytime something like that happens, I revert back to those points. And that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me in check. Yeah. Michelle, you're this beautiful expression and example of knowing yourself, knowing your worth, knowing what you have to offer. And knowing that like with anybody else, you have your struggles, you have your hurdles like anybody else, but you're like this strong tree with these very ingrained and deep-rooted roots from your grandmother, from your mother, from your personal growth, from your personal experiences, from your mentoring, from the work that you have put in yourself. And now you're able to stand as that strong trunk and not be knocked out by trolls, by opinions, by judgments. And you're now allowed to, not allowed to, now you're able to flourish and grow, you know, with your branches, with your flowers, with your leaves. And then the fruit that you produce that is now dropping to the rest of the community. So I just commend you on that because I think it's beautiful what you're sharing and what you're offering to our community i think you're right in saying that there just wasn't enough of that or there's just none of that so to be able to have that place of identity that place of being able to relate to someone that place of being able to have these conversations and laugh at the things that we went through as kids or whatever um yeah you've got a beautiful big vision and you just just i i don't know how else to put it but just keep going <laughs> Thank you. That means a lot, Jess, especially coming from you and the work that you do and also what your contributions to the community as well. And, yeah, I'm very grateful, very grateful to have this conversation because it also, it also it helps It because often I'm very like go, 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 and I don't really have moments of reflection. So these conversations as well kind of help me sort of um, see impact mm. and, and, yeah, just also share stories and stuff. So I appreciate it yeah yeah well thank you for your vulnerability where can people where can people connect with you i know you've got an event tell us about your event and tell us about where people can find you so people can find me on um tiktok instagram facebook as soy underscore amiga mia and they can find me on linkedin as amiga mia or michelle yanez olivares as well if you're interested in just community stuff um and then also i've got my website www.amigamia.com.au which has stuff about events um spanglish talks where i just interview people in the community uh blogs and a couple of other things and my event that's upcoming is called i am valiente um valiente means brave um or you can say fearless or a couple of other words similar to that and it's where i'm interviewing four latinas australianas um all from very diverse backgrounds which is very important and just talking about topics that matter to our community. Um, so some of the challenges we've had, some of the opportunities that are before us, how to leverage our superpowers. Um, and I think more importantly is the speakers themselves. They've, they've been able to be uh, successful and influential in their own right, and they help define a path for others to look to. Um, and then, of course, in true Latina fashion, I've got DJ J. Quinn, um, Salvadorian queen, 
who will be DJing, playing some beats that we love. Um, and it's got a, it's a beautiful venue in, in Rhodes and we're going to be just having cocktails, conversations. And yeah, it's just going to be a nice event. So yeah, check it out. It's I Am Valiente. It's on the Amiga Mia website if you want to join. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's the main thing that's happening at the moment in terms of what's taking my, my, all my time. All your energy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'll pop all of that in the show notes as well so people can go and find you. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for your story. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your time. And thank you for doing what you're doing within our Latina community. I really appreciate it, Jess, and thank you for having me on. Um, I, yeah, I'm very grateful to be here and I'm looking forward to your future episodes as well. <laughs> thank you. Amiga, I want to say gracias for hanging out with me today. I appreciate you. And I'm so fucking grateful that you jumped on this podcast today. If you're loving what you're hearing, you know what to do. Share it with your biz bestie. Tell me your aha and light bulb moments and what you're loving in a review. And subscribe because you know what? Together, we create the ripple effects.